You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Right, we're going to do a, a series for the next six weeks called God at Work. I don't know if any of you have read a book. I've been reading this one called God at Work by Ken Costa. Anyone read this? Yeah, my wife's speaking in a couple of weeks' time. I know why she's read it. Anybody fancy the book? Edward, first hand up. There you go. Wedding present. I'll have it back and wrap it. You can have it for next week. I don't know what you think about when, it, when you think about work. When I thought about work, when I was a kid, there's only one job I ever wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to be a professional footballer. I don't know, may, maybe it's just me. I grew up in the countryside, loved kicking a ball around. It shows my age, I know, but Kevin Keegan was like the footballer. And uh, he was a very small man, and I'm actually quite small. I won't go into all the details. Both my brothers are six foot, but I'm not. And they used to say about Kevin Keegan, he's the mouse with the lion's roar. And I used to think, I want to be the Kevin Keegan of my generation. And he had permed hair, which footballers used to do in those days. And I thought, when I grow up, I'm going to grow permed hair, and I'm going to play football. But it didn't happen like that. I wonder what you wanted to do for a job. I wonder what was in your heart. You said, actually, if I could dream about a job, this is what I'd love to do. Because we all end up doing lots of different jobs. I am now paid full-time for the church. I'll get that one out here right at the beginning. But it's not the job, the only job I've ever done. When I was a kid, I did a paper round for five years. Six days a week, you'd be out delivering papers. Also, when I was a kid, I was a chip boy. I don't know if you know this, I used to work in a fish and chip shop, and bags of potatoes. I used to have to peel five big bags, massive great bags of potatoes every night. You pour them in the chipper. We used to make crinkle cut chips where I was. It it was posh. It wasn't because I stunk of potato. Unbelievable. I worked in a Chinese takeaway for a couple of years. I used to take the orders. The only thing I was allowed to cook was the chips. There's obviously a theme coming through in my life. I worked as a strawberry picker. Yeah, you see, I grew up in the countryside, and we'd go out and we'd pick fruit. And when I finished my O-levels, now GCSEs, you literally, you'd get on your bike, you'd go into the country, and you'd pick fruit. And they used to weigh how much you'd picked, and you'd get paid for it. I, was actually, I once worked in a banana warehouse. Yeah, it's all got food. I've realized that when I was thinking about it. And I worked there for a week before Christmas. Do you know there's five different types of bananas you can get? You get turners, back turners, greens. Ah, oh, yeah. So the Barrow Boys of London used to turn up and used to ask for bananas. And we used to say, well, what box would you like? How many boxes? And you'd have to watch out for spiders. Because they used to bring shiploads of bananas in and they always had spiders in the boxes. What about you? What job have you done? They reckon if you're Generation Y which is, means you were born after 1982, that most, the average person would have had 10 jobs by the time they're 38. 10 jobs by the time they're 38. Actually, if you want to know the other job I did, I was a primary school teacher, so I have been around and done many different jobs. So when we come to work and we think about this, what do you think about? As I said, I've, I've read three or four books on this, and I, I want us to get to the Word of God, and I want us to challenge ourselves on, and actually, what about work? What I found frightening is 50% of Christians said they'd never heard a sermon on work. 
And I've got to be honest, I don't think I've ever preached one. And so I think, well, what do we think about when it comes to work? I looked up in the dictionary. A work is a human activity designed to accomplish something that is needed as distinct from an activity that is satisfying in itself. Often a person uses physical or mental effort to do something, usually for money. So what do you think about when you think about work? I'm aware, to be totally honest, there are loads of different circumstances in the room. Some people are not in paid work. Maybe you're you're taking a period of reflection or education, and you think, I'm not being paid, I'm studying. Some people, if you're honest, you've had to face redundancy, and you think, I'd like to get a job. I myself had seven months out of work. Know what it feels like. Some of you, they're all beginning with R's. I'm just slipping this one in in case you haven't picked it up. Reflection, redundancy. Some of you are involved in reproduction. Yeah, having babies, glorified term. I was thinking, you're a mum. You think, actually, I'm, I'm not working at the moment. Paid work. I'm very involved, full time at home. And for other people, there's retirement. Reality is, you think, oh, golly, a series on work? What's that to do with me? Because I don't go and do a paid job anymore. Well, Ken Costa, and Edward will be able to tell you this, because next time you see him, he'll have read that on his honeymoon. (laughs) He says this, Work is a ministry empowered by God for the benefit of ourselves and others, and ultimately for his glory. Now, I would like to challenge you that we're all involved in work in some way or another. What is the thing that takes the most hours of your week? Now, again, I thought, how do I say it? If if you're French, it's 35 hours a week. I know that people say that doesn't really happen. They say here in the Evening Standard, there was an article this week, I think it was, saying that the average person works 70 hours a week. And people are trying to sustain that kind of... And then I know that actually you suddenly say, oh, Pete, you're just talking about work. Reality is that loads of people would do emails at home or phone calls at home. If I had to say to you, what is your area of work, what would it be? What is it that you give yourself to? Is it your full-time parent? Is it that actually you're retired and you think, well, I'm volunteering. What am I doing? Mark Green, who works for the um, London Institute of Christianity, says this, work matters hugely. Work is the primary activity God created us to pursue in communion with him, and in partnership with others. I think it's funny because I've never preached on it, but if you think about it, the Bible is full of examples of work. Abraham, we always think of him as a great man of faith, don't we? What was he? He was a traveling farmer and an entrepreneur. Moses was a prince in a palace and part shepherd. Joseph served in the household, in the prison, and became prime minister. Ruth was a widow, a refugee, a farm laborer, and a housewife. Esther was a lady with supermodel looks who became queen. Daniel was a civil servant. David was a shepherd, musician, soldier, and king, not all at the same time. Isaiah served in the royal court, Nehemiah was butler to the king, and Elisha was a wealthy landowner. Ken Costa says again in his book, we only take our faith to work if we know that our work is valuable to God. I want to say one thing this morning, really. Your work matters. 
I've got to be careful that I don't do myself out of a job here. The reality is it's very easy to turn up at church and think, oh, whoever's preaching, oh, we pay them. They're the pastor. Their job matters. I think if you look at the Bible, your job matters. You matter to God. What you do matters to God. I think it's hugely important. So if I ask you the question, why do you work? How might you answer it? You might say, well, to be honest, it gives me status. I mean, it can be quite difficult, can't it? Because as soon as you meet someone, they often say, what do you do for a job? Status comes when we work. Maybe actually your work makes you popular. People think, oh, you're you're really good at what you do. I like being connected to you. Maybe there's power in your job. You're telling other people what to do. Maybe it's money. I don't know how many of you have seen the film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah, could we just put our hands up on that? Anyone seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, Walt Disney made that in the 1930s, and that was the end of the Great Depression. And so when the little men go off to work, they're singing, aren't they? I mean, would we like to do it again? Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. You see, they were excited about it, weren't they? Because it was almost like this, the depression. I've got a job. Hey, hey, I'm off to work. Whereas nowadays, I don't know, many of us might feel, I owe, I owe. It's off to work I go. <laughs> and if we're really honest, you think, God, I've got myself into so much debt. Why wasn't that money day earlier? I've got to go off to work to pay for this. I think biblically, there are lots of reasons that we should work. I think that we serve others and improve the life of the community through our work. I think we develop the gifts and skills that God has given us. I think we work in preparation for the day when we give an account of our life. I think we work so that we can give to others who haven't got. Paul says that, doesn't he, in Ephesians. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. But if I had to give one reason why work is important, one reason why I want us to think about work, one reason why we're going to do this series of six weeks on work, it's this. We serve a God who works. In your Bibles, in Genesis 1, verse 31, right at the beginning, it says, God saw all that he has made, and it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I believe that the Bible teaches us that God, by his very nature, is a workman. Work is his concept. Tim Keller, who leads a church called Redeemer in New York, says this is God getting dirt under his fingertips. It's almost that's his understanding of work. This is quite different to other people's faiths. Funny, I I was reading about this. So many others can think, oh, no, no, the gods don't work, the slaves work. In fact, if you know anything about Greek mythology, it was Zeus and Pandora's box. And when the box was opened, out came... Work. It's almost like, well, no, we don't do that. We're too important. But actually, we serve a God that works. And then if you read in Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27, it says this, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, 
so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Paradise was a place of work because we are made in God's image. Eden was not just a playground. I believe it was a place of work. Actually, that when he made us, he made us and gave us stewardship and responsibility. Now, I think work is satisfying. I mean, what was the first job that we know that Adam had to do? I mean, name all the animals. I mean, what a great job, eh? I mean, where on earth does aardvark come from? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, how on earth do you think of those things? What a job. It was creative. It was interesting. It was stimulating. I think our work should be like that. Work is not a consequence of the fall, which some of us know that sin entered and that things went horribly wrong. Work was there before the fall. And so therefore, it's not almost like, oh, golly, wouldn't it be great? I mean, I thought these guys served us so well. Wouldn't it be great if we could just come here and sway every day of the week? It's almost like, oh, this is great. Oh, but I have to go to work. No, 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 no. Work is something of what we were made for, how we were made to be. Story is told of Da Vinci that he'd done this beautiful painting and that he stood there with some of his students and it was almost finished. And he took the paintbrush and he gave it to one of his students. He said, go on, just finish it off. And the student goes, no, no, I couldn't possibly do that. I mean, this is like... Your masterpiece. And he says, will not what I've done inspire you to do your best? And I can feel that a little bit about the God we serve has made this amazing masterpiece. And it's almost like he hands us the brush. And you think, oh, no, I don't know. He's almost saying, will not what I've done inspire you to do your best? I mean, I think this is the beauty of work, isn't it? I mean, if you're a musician, you can make some tremendous sounds, can't you? If you're a teacher, you can inform people. I mean, if you're a business person, you can take an idea or a concept and turn it into a product, can't you? If you're an accountant, I'm not quite sure what you can do. I've got to be very careful I'm going to get myself in trouble. But you know what I'm saying? You think surely all these jobs you could do something and do something positive with it. Zwingle, he was one of the reformers in Switzerland in 1500. He says, there is nothing in the universe so like God as the worker. It's almost like he's saying, actually, if we really want to be like God, we'll be those that work. We know that God commanded his people. To be fruitful, again, you can read that in Genesis 1, 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Be useful. It says in Genesis 2, 15 to 17. God took the man and put him in a garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so there's this whole picture, isn't there? God made, and then actually God commissions us to be responsible, to be stewards. But if we're really honest, 
work can be frustrating, can't it? Photocopiers jam. Getting to work on the train, they're packed. Things go wrong. I'm obviously letting my age slip. Bob Geldof, some of you think, oh yeah, band A. Well, he used to be in a band. And one of their favourite songs was, Tell Me Why I Don't Like Mondays. And they used to sing, saying, I hate Mondays. And apparently he understood this generation very well. They did a survey of 220 adults and found out that 75% are unhappy on a Monday. The average person spends 34 minutes on a Monday morning complaining about Mondays. <laughs> you know, and you might think, well, I don't. Well, then the person next to you is a real whinger because they must spend an hour. And you think it's only four hours in the morning. They spend a quarter of it whinging. It's a Monday. Why has work become frustrating? Well, again, I think we can find the answer in Genesis. In Genesis 3, in verse 17 to 19, God says, he says to Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And so it's almost like we understand right at the beginning of the Bible that actually we're created for work, but because of sin, that became this barrier. Uh, you know the story. Adam and Eve were in this garden, this perfect paradise, which was a place of work. But actually they reached out and took this fruit. God said, don't take but actually, they, they decided they, wanted to, they knew better than God. I guess that's often a definition of sin. We know better than God. We'll do our own thing. And the consequence of it was terrible. Sin entered, things got spoilt. And one of the things that got spoilt was work. I don't know what it must have been like beforehand. I've, um, I've seen my wife give birth three times. And alive, it's not a, me- a mental image I want to cling on. There's pain, you know what I'm saying? I know I didn't do very well on this kind of stuff, you know, and I have to be careful here because I know that I could lose a lot of friends very quickly. I remember the first uh, son being born, and um, I-, I struggled with the pain, really. I- it was the way of coping, my coping mechanism. But I just said to my wife as she was going through contractions every two minutes, Garfield says, no pain, no gain, dear. (laughs) The midwife said to her, would you like him thrown out of the labor ward? She said, no, it's just his humor, let him stay. The reality is we know that giving birth is, is a painful experience. That's a result of this. The reality is work is a painful experience. And that is a result of this. Gallup did a poll, and they said that one in five of us are actively disengaged from our job. So you look down the row, that could be two people. Three in five of us are sleepwalking through our day. Three in five. You think, well, it's not me. Well, look around. There's a bunch of slackers next to you. This is the challenge, isn't it? So how have we reacted to this over time? 
Well, about 100 years ago, they came up with this term called the Protestant work ethic. The theology was that you displayed your salvation by your behavior. So actually, to be a good Christian, you worked hard and you lived frugally. And many would say there's lots of reasons from the Bible for this. In Proverbs, we're told, don't be lazy. Proverbs 6, verse 9 to 11. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and you'll earn a degree. No, no, sorry, I'm not trying to go at students. It says, and poverty will come upon you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Paul even says in the New Testament, look, if you're not prepared to work, you you shouldn't be able to eat. And so I guess they they grew up this thing within Christians and and the church. Actually, it's really important to work hard. Paul writes to the church in in Colossae, in Colossians 3, verse 23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Whatever you do. You're getting up at 3 in the morning to feed that baby, do it with all your heart. You're changing that third nappy because they explode every time you just put the poppers back on. Do it with all your heart. I mean, that's, that's what the Bible says, isn't it? You know, your boss says that's not good enough. Do it again. Do it with all your heart. Your work matters. As working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So as Christians, it should make a radical difference. The way we work because of what we believe. Martin Luther King, many of you know, American minister and activist, says this. If it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweet Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. (laughs) I think it's interesting because sometimes we can think, oh, if my job was noticed, I'd do it well. How often do we notice Someone who's cleaning the streets. Many of us would have heard of Billy Graham. Billy Graham was considered, you know, the, one of the great evangelists of all time. He'd stand up and literally speak to millions. Over his lifetime, spoke to billions. The gospel. People, you know, would realize that God loved them, that they'd done wrong, that Jesus died in their place, that if they said sorry, they could be forgiven. His messages, many, many people became Christians. What about his wife? His wife was called Ruth Graham. She apparently had a sign over their sink at home. It said this, divine service conducted here three times daily. She was saying, look, actually me washing up, me caring for the family, that's divine service. Whereas we might always think, oh, it's this, it's Billy. You see, the reality is that we can slip into this secular, sacred divide. Well, actually, what I do at church, well, that's really important. That is sacred. But actually, what I do here, oh, that's just my job. I don't see that in the Bible. 
This guy, Abraham, who used to be the Dutch prime minister, said this, there is no area of our lives where the Lord Jesus Christ does not put his hand and say, mine. So if you're an investment banker, if you're a teacher, you know, if you're a barista, if you're a designer, whatever you are, the Bible would say, God is involved. God cares about that. You sit there doing IT all day. You're sorting out post. I don't know what your job is. You're caring for somebody at the hospital. You're you're directing 999 calls, whatever it is you do. You're a builder. You're a painter. A.W. Tozer, he was an American pastor. He's a preacher and author around the 1960s. He says this, It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. Actually, what you're doing this week, do it all for God. Your work matters. It's funny, you start reading this, you think, man, which ones do I include? John Piper, he's an American preacher and author, says you don't waste your life by where you work, but by how and why. I think, oh, let us be those that give our everything. to. Isn't it great to say, I surrender all? I love, I love that, you know, oh, come on. You know, you sort of think, it's terrible, you know, felt God tell me to bring a word. I'm saying, let's sing it again. I love that song, but let's do our whole lives. It's not just about here, it's, it's our whole lives. God does not change when you walk into work, but do you? That's my question. God does not change when you get through the office door. God does not change when you turn up at school or at university. God does not change if you wake up and you're retired and at home. But do you change? Because it should be our everything for him. I, I, I struggle with English. I, I, I confess that. You can tell that when I start reading these sweet, sweet, uh, all these kind of statements. I don't know any Hebrew, so I'm just quoting this book. I read this week that the Hebrew word for work and worship is the same word. I thought, wow. Now, I'm not saying, therefore, that when you go to work, you must sing all day. People might think you're a fruit and nutcake. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say that you've got to be there, you know, at the water cooler. I surrender all. (laughs) Somebody's going, oh, good grief, you know what I'm saying? But actually, the way you live your life should be worship. That's really what it's trying to say. Ken Costa says in his book, if the Christian faith is not relevant in the workplace, it's not relevant at all. Do you think like that? Do I think like that? I'm aware and I I love the church. Please come back next week. I mean, please don't let me think I've talked you out of the church. The danger is even there, you know, I think I am committed to Alpha. It'll be a great evening. But it's almost like, oh, that's not your work, or this is not your work, or or come to community group, and we can talk about the things here. Actually, I want you to think, hey, Pete's told me this is what I'm called to be. This is where I am. Cook, cleaner. Vaughan Roberts, he is a rector in Oxford. He leads the Proclamation Trust. He says this, you cannot judge a church's worship by what happens in the hour or so when they meet on a Sunday. The real test is how its members behave during the rest of the week. 
He's saying, actually, the way we work is our worship. I think, oh, I've loved it this morning, but how do we work? I guess I just want to throw this out as a challenge to us. Ray Kroc, who I'm sure you've never heard of, he was the founder of McDonald's. He said this, I speak of faith in McDonald's as if it were a religion. I believe in God, the family, and McDonald's. And in the office, the order is reversed. I would say that's lousy theology. And then I would say, but what about you? Think about it. I believe in God, I believe in my family, and I believe in work. But when I get to office, do I reverse the order? Or do I still hold it in that, fa- in that same, well, this is who I am. I'm a Christian, I believe in God. These are my values. This is the way I want to live my life. Or do we suddenly get to work and say, oh, no, no, it's all changed. And actually, suddenly when I'm at work, I think differently, and I put God on the back burner. I think that's a difficult way of approaching it. I think our Christian faith should massively impact the way we live. Spurgeon was a great preacher in London. In in those days, to become a member of the church, you had to be interviewed by one of the pastors. He was interviewing this girl who was a housekeeper. And he said, tell me something about your Christian faith or what difference it has made. And she said, well, when I sweep the floors, I no longer sweep the dust underneath the carpet. And he said, he said, enough, you can join the church. Because he said, actually, if you live your life as worship to God, I'm, I'm thrilled. I think I'd love us to be able to say, actually, because I'm a Christian, I work differently. Okay, then, so here's my challenge. I think the challenge for many of us is that actually God is a God who works. We are called to work. I think the danger, I was going to say in, in London, in the city, is that our work becomes our idol or our identity. And some of us think, oh, yeah, actually, I do do those kind of hours. You might be saying this morning, what, only 70 hours? That's for weaklings, isn't it? I think my brother's first job, he was contracted for 100 hours a week. Come on, real men just eat it for lunch, you know what I'm saying? Ah, The danger is I think it becomes our identity. I think the danger is that for some of us, work is no longer about providing for food and clothes. But it takes us beyond that. It gives us a sense of self-worth, dignity, and significance. Hence, those that are out of work can feel devalued. Madonna, I know she had a slip recently on a, a stage when she was at the award ceremony. But before that, some would have considered one of the most successful musicians. She said this, my drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. That's what's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. And I sometimes think there's a danger for us in that, oh, actually, our work becomes proving of ourself, valuing of ourselves. And so we work out of who we are rather than working out of who God is. We don't work because actually we think, golly, this is is the way my God's created me. This is my worship to him. We work almost as I've got to prove myself. You know, I've got to to hit the next sale. I've, I've got to make the next target. There's pressure, pressure, pressure. 
St. Augustine, he was one of the early church fathers. I don't think I've got this quote up here. It says, Lord, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That is what we were made for, to be in relationship with you. That's where ultimate satisfaction is found. Not in our work. I believe that work is a calling from God. But actually, I believe that we must get our identity from God before the work. I love it when Jesus says in John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That is how we get our satisfaction. That's how we're fed in him that enables us to go to work. I I, I haven't got all these quotes up here. Sorry, it was developing and I thought I didn't know how much time I'd have. Paul Valor, he's a mentor, author and speaker, says to know who you are, you must know whose you are. To know who you are, you must know whose you are. If you understood that Jesus loves you, if you understood that Jesus died on a cross for you, that will make a radical difference on whatever your job is. Ian Coffey, he's vice principal at Moreland's Bible College, says a job is a job, but our vocation is a calling to be a child of God. I want you to go and work well this week. I want you to realize that your job matters. But I want you to go and work well, knowing that you don't have to prove yourself to God or somebody else. That's the difference. You know what I'm saying? You go and work because that's what God's called you to do. You go and work because that's your worship to him. I'm very excited about this series. I think, oh, we should have looked at this way, way before. We're going to be looking at things in the future like ambition, tough decisions, stress and work-life balance, failure, disappointment, hope. It's going to be some really interesting weeks. But I hope that you go away thinking, actually, my work is really important. What I would love us to do, I know we've got a few moments before we break bread and uh, take the second half of our gift day. I would love us... Um, if you're a visitor, please don't feel embarrassed or that, but just to turn into groups of three or four, and I'd just like you to say what your job is. And I'd just like us to pray for everyone in their jobs. So if you haven't got a job at the moment, or you're retired, or you're looking after kids, that's fine. Don't say, oh, I'm just a, just say, this is, this is me. And then I'd just like us to pray. I would love everyone to leave this place thinking, hey, this is what I do. And I think, actually, God's called me for that. This is, this is what God's called me to do at this time. And the church have stood with me and said, hey, we're just going to pray for you. You know, you could be a student. You could be looking for work. You could be on the zero hours and think, I don't know what I'm doing this week. But actually, we would love to stand with you and pray today. So I'm going to suggest this means we're going to stand up. doesn't matter you know, if you want to push a couple of chairs around. Just getting threes or fours just where you are. And And if you come here regularly, please reach out and make sure everyone's included. I'm going to give you about three or four minutes, and then we're going to come back and break bread together. So let's pray.